Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for your word. We ask that you um, would once again uh, grace us with your wisdom and your understanding and with hearts that are moved by what you have for us this morning. We pray that your spirit would work in and through us, revealing Christ, exalting him, making him irresistible to us. We thank you for the promise that we have in him of growth and transformation to be made like him, not because of our awesomely awesome faith, but because you are working through us and doing in us what we cannot do for ourselves. So we know that the call that we have to work with fear and trembling, working out our own salvation, it rests in the fact that you are working in us to do and to will according to your good pleasure. And so we want to be yielded and open and submissive to your lordship, to your calling, to your commands. Because, as Jesus said, if you love me, you obey my commands. So we don't want to use a bunch of Christian language and then not be distinct from the world that we live in. We want to be distinct and look like Christ. So we pray that as we study the word, it will be a means of, our, of grace, of, of our transformation from glory to glory, the growth that we have to look like Jesus. We want authenticity. We want reality. We want truth. We want hearts that yearn to live it out and not to be just playing a game. So we ask that you work in us toward that end today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we are in Exodus. What are the odds? Exodus 16, 8 through 20. Exodus 16, 8 through 20. By way of review, give me a background. Where are we? Just in context at this point. What happened earlier? One through seven is what we went through last time. <coughs> Go ahead, Carlos. The Lord gave them manna. I mean, they were starving. They were starving. They were hungry. They wanted some food. They complained. Um, and and how, did we, how did we end that? How, how, did, how does the thing end in verse seven? What, what does... Uh, what does he? What, what does Moses recount to the people? In the morning, you shall see the glory of God because He has or you are grumbling against the Lord for what we are that we grumble against. Wait, wait, did I read that? Or what are we? What are we? Yeah, yeah that grumble against. Us. That you would grumble against us. Dang it. It's okay. It's all right. It's good. <laughs> if you could do it in French for us, that'd be awesome. Um, what What is it that he that he lands on? Who are we that you grumble against? Us, Moses and Aaron, are we, your, your grumbling is against whom? The Lord. All right, look at verse 8. And Moses said, When the Lord gives you in the evening meat to eat, and in the morning bread to the full, because the Lord has heard your grumbling that you grumble against him, what are we? Your grumbling is not against us, but against the Lord. 
Then Moses said to Aaron, Say to the whole congregation of the people of Israel, Come near before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. And as soon as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the people of Israel, they looked toward the wilderness. And behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. And the Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the people of Israel. Say to them, At twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall be filled with bread. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God. In the evening, quail came up and covered the camp, and in the morning, dew lay around the camp. And when the dew had gone up, there was on the face of the wilderness a fine flake-like thing, fine as frost on the ground. When the people of Israel saw it, they said to one another, What is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, It is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Gather of it, each one of you, as much as he can eat. You shall take an omer according to the number of persons that each of you has in his tent. And the people of Israel did so. They gathered some more, some less. But when they measured it with an omer, Whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had no lack. Each of them gathered gathered as much as he could eat. And Moses said to them, Let no one leave any of it over till the morning. But they did not listen to Moses. Some left part of it till the morning, and it bred worms and stank. And Moses was angry with them. All right, we'll stop there. So God's response to their unfaithfulness is what? Food. Food. A little bit? Just keep tied them over? Interesting, isn't it? As much as they need? Sorry? And they still disobey. Hey, Reuben, come on in and have a seat. Happy birthday, Reuben. I got sucked into that one. All right. God answers their unfaithfulness by appearing in the cloud, then miraculously giving bread and meat. And we saw this promise last week, and now we're seeing it play out in time and space. All right, verse 8. Does that look familiar to you? Verse 8. Have we not seen that before? Yes. Where? Okay. Have we not seen this language before? <coughs> Where? Twice more. Where do we immediately see it? Okay. Is there another place so, that we immediately see it? Two, two verses. Like verse 7? <laughs> verse 8 is a repeat of verse 7. Wow, that was really before. It really was. I mean, <laughs> there are some, uh, some of the smart guys think that um, that this verse is a is a textual error that a scribe just got happy with it and, and added it again and that it shouldn't really be there um, what, what have we learned about repetition in Hebrew literature that's very important and in, in what way is it very important and, and significant and significant 
I'm sorry? Conveys importance and significance to the passage. It conveys importance and significance to what is repeated. <laughs> Does it convey importance and significance to what is repeated? It actually conveys importance and significance to what is repeated. Wait, is there something important about that? What is it that is conveyed by the repetition here between verse 7 and verse 8? What is it? What is it? Manna. I'll just say it to you. Manna. What is it that is conveyed by the... It's against the Lord. It's against the Lord. It, 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 it emphasizes this um, grumbling of Israel is ultimately directed against God himself. Why is that important to bring out? Why is it important for you to know that? For me to know that? Because it's true. The big picture answer would be because it's true. Yeah, we're bringing the problems to Moses and Aaron instead of Okay. It, it shows to whom are they praying? To whom are they relying? That's a good, good point. Yeah. It shows that God is is the ultimate who's in control here because okay. whoever is ultimately in control is the one who provides or takes away, and so he's the one that they they shouldn't be complaining or grumbling, but mm-hmm. he's the one that's in control. Okay. Everybody agree with that? He's in control. But they were doubting. And they're doubting that. Okay. All right. Um, we see again, Aaron continues to be Moses' spokesman even after the battle with Pharaoh is over. Um, Aaron's still being that mouthpiece. And God invites them to, the language, come before Yahweh. And later that phrase is going to be used to, to call them to the tent of meeting, which we'll be getting to shortly, which I'm very excited about. Um uh, Call to the ten of meaning, but here it's it's to to come before the glory cloud, to come for the presence of the Lord that's physical to them at that time, and they do that, don't they? The next um, the next verse talks about, and they turned to, and they beheld the glory of the Lord in the cloud. What what does Moses tell them, or what does God tell Moses to relate to the children of Israel? What after this? statement by Aaron. What, what does he tell them to relay to the children of Israel? What's going to happen? He's going to give them what they want. How does he describe that? What language does he use? Bread, uh, meat at twilight, and then bread, and then bread, how does he describe the bread? Filled with bread. Some translations may say they'll be satisfied with bread, right? Some of you may have that. I think the NIV says satisfied. Um, what, what's this? Why is he? Why does he say it that way? It's, a, it's in reference to fulfill their grumbling, their grumbling and complaining, and to have them filled with bread or satisfied is is a direct answer to their complaining. They're not satisfied. Right, they're not satisfied, so... They're not satisfied, and they express that in unbelief to God, or to Moses and Aaron, and by extension, complaining to God about God. They're not satisfied with where he has them. They're not satisfied with where they are. And so they're reaching for something else, complaining, oh, if I only had this. And he says, I give you this, 
and you will be satisfied, right? You were going to say something? Yeah, and we'll find out later that they're still not fully satisfied. No, they're not. In fact, we have three more books to go through this complaining stuff. So I'll be like 90 when we get there. I could have said that. And remember when we talked about verses 1 through... I'm sorry, what did you say? The English is as good as the Hebrew. I'm glad to hear you say that. I don't feel... You're not reading a different Bible. Yeah. And remember in verses 1 through 7, they started complaining before they even made their need known. And every time that that word is used, remember, even the smart folks tell me that even in the original language, the word for grumbling there involves a sense of rebellion against leadership. Yeah. The, the language itself calls for rebellion against leadership. Yeah. Yes, and probably yes. Um, I, I think uh, I think they're, they're complaining to Moses and Aaron because they're the mediators. True, but the fact is they're complaining and not and not calling to them. Can you call to the Lord for? Us? I mean, if they're going to be true mediators, that would be seems like that would be the heart that they would want to do that in. But here they're coming at them with rebellious intent, treacherous intent. I mean, this is a kind of a the whole congregation is doing this. So, because I think a, a, another good point here is that when they not just grumble, but when they even talk to Moses and Aaron, they're actually talking to the Lord. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, even in a positive way, because um, it said that I mean, God told Moses that He's going to be a Lord to them, and that's kind of. I mean, it, we have authorities in our life, and God puts those authorities in our lives, and the way we treat them um, should reflect the way that we. The longing for what they had in Egypt accompanies the grumbling, mm-hmm. and there may have been some of that going on here, even though we're not given the direct language. But, right. but the, uh, it, but kept the it, it kept coming up previously, and come up again later on. So yeah, that that could be assumed in this, maybe. But what we're given is the word grumbling, which which definitely means from rebellious intent. So the content of that we don't know necessarily. Um, the other point here is that it. God's giving them meat and bread to the full to satisfy shows it's only Yahweh and his provision that satisfy. Only he can do it. 
And he says again, you will know. There's that phrase, you will know that I'm the Lord. You will know. And that's a major point in Exodus. We're seeing again and again and again and again, comparing the lordship of God, Yahweh, to the lordship of Pharaoh. That, that comparison, so that you will know, again, the case is made. Yes? No, they don't get it. They don't get it the whole time. Well, no. It's, it's, it's been cyclical. I mean, the whole time they they see God's power and say, oh, I mean, it's true. And then yeah. Two seconds, one verse later, they're growing. What are they seeing, though? When they see his power, they're like, it's yeah, we got it made. We got it made. He's on our side. They do something. He does something that pleases, pleases them. them. Saves them or protects them. It's always Feeds something them. good yeah. that they respond to. Changes right. their circumstances. Changes their circumstances. They don't trust him for who he is. They want to see the next big thing to make themselves feel happy, happy, happy. Yes. Happy, happy, happy. Thank you. That's all the shirt. It's kind of like there's, it's kind of like, you know, they were uh, in Egypt and they were under Pharaoh. And they said, oh, only if we can get out from under the rule and control of Pharaoh, then we by ourselves, we can do it. We're going to be happy and satisfied. Right. But then they get out from under the control of Pharaoh and they're like, man, this is not what it cracked up to be. And so God is knocking down all these objections, saying, you know what, it doesn't matter if you're slave or free, it doesn't matter if you've got food or don't have food, God is is providing. Mm-hmm. So all these objections, all these things that they think they can do on their own, they can't. And he's, he's showing them systematically that they can know that he is the Lord. I had a conversation recently where um, the statement was made, well, of course, um, we won't sin when Christ returns because our faith will then be sight. And we'll see him and our faith will be sight. Therefore, we will, of necessity, not sin anymore. Is there faith not sight here? Is there faith not... Well, there's still looking through a veil. Okay, I guess my point is that even though you may see some pretty amazing things experientially, there has to be a radical transformation of the heart. Because that verse in, in 1 John where it talks about we'll see him as he is, we'll be made like, we will be made like him from the inside out. It's not something that we respond to because we're awesome. We, oh yeah, okay, we get it. He's got to remake us. Yeah, I mean he reveals it to us and because of its power it changes us when we just look at it. We respond to it from the heart. Because right. there will be people who also see him who go hide for the mountains, please fall on us because we don't see the lamb. Sure. And the people's response was cover your face, not hey, let's take a look at this and be transformed ourselves. So it has to come from the heart, and only God can do that. Right? Alright, let's let's quickly go through some of this meat and bread stuff. Um, the quail come. 
And there's two times that this happens where he brings quail. Uh, and, and, and the habits of, of quail, as we know them today, kind of fit this biblical picture. I mean, I'm not minimizing the miracle, but they, they do fly at night. Uh, they get exhausted during their migration. It can be caught with, with bare hand. So I've been tracking. Um, the, the miracle here is the timing of it and the extent of it. In Numbers is a, a recording of a similar situation where they actually measure how much quail is there. And it's like a day's journey to the east and a day's journey to the west, like four cubits deep. I'm looking at Jacob because he'll probably remember the exact quote. Um, of, of quail that way around, and they're just walking through, going, "Yep, yep, yep." And, you know, we'll scroll back in the back, and that's a lot of quail. And and we don't, we're not given the 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 extent of it here, but if it was similar to the one in Numbers, that's amazing. Uh, Psalm seventy-eight twenty-seven says, "He rained meat on them like dust." Winged, winged, winged birds like the sand of the seas. That's a lot of quail. I know it's a metaphor, I know it's poetry, but that's still a lot of quail. So do you think that's enough meat for them? Yes. Yes. Okay, then there's dew in the morning. Hopefully they gathered up all the quail at night because there's dew in the morning. And and how does it describe this stuff? What what? Anybody ever seen uh, this manna? No? Um, in, in fact, the, the, the Hebrews respond to it how? What do they say? What is it? What, what is it? They say manhu. Manhu, yes, that's what is it. And thank you for that. Did you read that right to left? Or? Yeah, okay. Um, what is it? And I will tell you that in 2013, we're still asking, what is it? The um, no attempt at a scientific explanation of what is manna has been sufficient with the scripture that we have. It, we don't know. It's described as this flake-like thing. I love the answer. The flake-like thing. Um, I don't know. If, I don't know if IHOP biscuits would compare. It. Yes. It's fine as fine as frost, flaky. Another comparison that we have is in numbers. Anybody ever seen a seen it? Sita. Have anybody ever seen a white coriander seed? It's just, come on. Let me see. no. I haven't either. I'm sure they exist. Um, <laughs> but even the description in numbers is still a comparison to something else. We don't know what this is. We know that it has some similar. Jacob's smiling. He knows what he's seen it. Because uh, <laughs> uh, it's fun. I enjoy embarrassing you. It's a, it's a great joy I have. It wells up in my heart. Um, <laughs> yeah, I have to look into that. I'm not really sure how to answer that. Well, it was. But is that also... I don't know, it's there. Okay, that's all I want to hear. <laughs> Jacob says it's there. They already got it in Jerusalem. Okay, good deal. As they're building the temple now. Um, but what we do know, what we do know, we do know this. I mean, the, the, the Psalms talk about, well, here it says, bread the Lord has given, the bread from the Lord. 
Psalm 78 talks about food from heaven, the bread of angels, and that's pretty much all we're given about this, this substance. But we do know that God provides it. It's unique. It's new. It's unexpected. Right? I mean, would you think about being in the wilderness and being provided this stuff? If I'm going to make bread, I usually think I've got to oh, plant something, I've got to grow, I've got to grind it out. That takes time. We're on the move. We're never going to be able to do that. He provides them the, 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 the makeup, the, the stuff to make bread that just rains down like dew. That's weird. It's certainly not the way they would have envisioned being fed in the wilderness. Does that sound familiar? Go ahead, Dave. Uh, I mean, it's the same way, like with Christ. Like Christ wasn't didn't come in the way that they had expected, hmm. and his provision. Like they're thinking, like Christ is going to come, and he's going to beat down Rome and mm-hmm. take over and be the conquering king. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was, but just not in the way that they had anticipated. It was new. It was unexpected. God provided. It's very non-mainstream. Non, very countercultural. Yeah. yeah. What additional instruction do we see here? What additional instruction? Let's get through these. No extras. Okay. How, how are they to? How much are they to gather? Sorry. Enough for their family. As much as you can eat. An omer. An omer. Divided according what to what each man could eat is kind of the intent of the language here. Um, and this is the same command that was given at, Pass- at Passover in, in chapter 12, verse 4. The lamb was to, di- to be divided according to what each man could eat. Um, God commands that they not hoard food. Just a little plug. Um, <laughs> and that would, that would be the natural response if you're limited and thinking, okay, we may never... We may never get another shot at making bread here. Because this is weird. This is not natural. And so we probably better load up on this stuff. Would that be the natural inclination? But he says don't do that. Don't hoard it. God forbids it. Forbids it. But he calls here for Israel to do what? What are they, what are they to do? What happens every morning? God provides it again. He provides more. And they're called to trust him. In that daily, again, you see this call to trust him. Um, this and and enough for everyone to eat. To it's apportioned directly to their need, where they are, what they need. And here, the the measurement Omer is about a half gallon per person in the family. Thank you for that clarification. Um, he's oh. 
God calls for them to trust Him daily for their sustenance like He called them to trust Him for their salvation. Right? It's the same kind of thing. What, what, was it enough for them? What are we giving them in the text? What, was it enough? This what He provided? How much did they gather? What, how did that play out? What does the text say in this passage? We know what happens later. but As much speak. as He can eat. Okay. Yes, it was enough. And then, and then, and then, and then they did it, right? They looked to the cloud. They they gathered the quail. They gathered the 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 the, the what is it? And 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 what does it say? They gathered more. And it some, some more, some less. And then what was response? What was the result of that? There, we're going to probably have that little theology of food thing. So as we go to um, Posadas, those who have more don't leave leftovers. The same question: What is it? What is it? That's right. Oh, that's nicely played. I like that. We'll get sued over that one. Thank you. Um, okay, my next. It's funny that you would say that because the next heading I have here is there's at least one in every crowd. Um, <laughs> What's the, we, we have a host. Um, what's the catch here? They're to use it throughout the day, but that's all, right? Uh, there's a constant requirement of faith that God will provide each and every day. Do, do all of them listen? No. no. How do we know that? What happens? It was what? It was fault. It was, now think about that. When is the time your stomach is least able to handle a visual of worms in your food? Probably about breakfast time. All right, so you basically have a plague on the manna. The ESV says it bred worms. That's okay, I guess. No, it was bread worms. It was bread worms. <laughs> it became wormy. Whatever it was, it was it was contaminated. <laughs> Transubstantiation. Of this. It, can, it was contaminated. Mm, that was wrong. Contaminated and it smelled. It was contaminated and it smelled. Do we remember any other kind of plague where something was contaminated and it smelled? The what did you say? The water. The water. What water? The Nile. The Nile. And all the water and all the pots. And all the water and all the pots. The water in Egypt was contaminated with what? Blood. Blood. It became blood. And it... To pull, to pull from the King James, it stanketh. <laughs> Do you want to really get into how bad something smells? It stanketh. And so they have the same language here applied to this manna. How odd is that? On his own people, their disobedience, their overreach, they're not trusting him daily. The manna is contaminated and smells like the Nile was contaminated and smelled for Egypt. Why would he make that allusion? Why is Moses, when he's writing this, pull the language from the Nile onto the people of Israel? With the, what is it? It's the same sermon. It's the same same lesson. same lesson. What's the lesson? Trust in the Lord. Okay. That he is the Lord. 
What are they trusting here? Okay. The worship of the Nile, the water, all of that. What does that say? What are they doing there in Egypt when they're when they're getting them in the morning and doing a little offering to the Nile? Well, essentially they're acting like the Egyptians Okay. How are they acting like the Egyptians? What are they trusting in? You said themselves. Go ahead. The created. The created. Aha. We have something through our ingenuity and our cleverness, we can do more than what God has asked or has told us to do, right? We do more than that. What? All they did was just no. But look how clever I am. Oh, what happened with these worms? Um, just like Egypt trusted the Nile as their source of sufficiency, their use of its irrigation and all of that, these Hebrews trusted their stock of manna as their source of sufficiency. But God will not share his glory with another, will he? With another person or thing. Whatever it is. What is it? It's whatever. He will not trust, he will not give his glory to whatever it is. Keep it coming. Um, And we will not be satisfied with another person or thing. He's created us to be satisfied, sufficiently satiated, only in, I love this thing, yeah, it's very good. Look it up. Only in Him. Only in Him. No. There's not a red squiggly line on the board. Um, it's the creature or what is created rather, rather than the, 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 the creator. Um, I'll make sure I have enough by my cleverness. To place our, our trust in someone or something else rather than God invites the discipline and wrath of God. And it's shown here in the anger of Moses. Do you see that? What does it say? The text, Moses' response to this. What was it? Angry? angry? What does ESV say? How does it translate? Angry. It says angry? Yes. Nuts. <laughs> this is... <laughs> there is no strong... Let me go to the... There is no stronger verb in the Hebrew to reflect the wrath or anger here that, 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 is, that one has than the one used here. The anger of Moses, he, I get, he was irate here. It's like, you know, it's like a, like a twin, there's a thing going on with Moses. He's about to, his head's about to explode. He's so mad. I don't know what that's like myself. <laughs> Yes, slapping the Tupperware away. <laughs> Don't you know it's going to be wormy? That's disgusting. Here again, they're living by sight and not by faith. They're living by what they can do. Their, their works of service. God's got to like me if I do this. Their speak. Well, God will love me if I keep my speech you know, all clean and pretty. That's Phariseeism, isn't it? Because we look good on the outside, 
And yet on the inside, we are full of dead men's bones, Jesus would say. Yes? Is it too early to jump to how this points that our excess and our, well, we're just being good uh, stewards of what God's given us and saving all this and how it's sticking? I think I think there's a balance there too, though, isn't it? Because we already called it wise with how we. Are you alluding to the fact that inflation is the worms on the bread? Economic policy aside, we saw the clear picture of Christ as our substitute and atonement in our discussion on the Passover lamb, and our need to receive all of who He is, and not just the parts that we find tasty, right? You have to eat the whole lamb, all of him. Remember that? And that's done by trusting in him alone. Does that stop after we are in Christ? Does that stop? Okay, we got that salvation thing done. I'm, I'm, I'm just doing what I want to do. Like um, Ashley pointed out, the, I mean, God called these people and he brought them out of Israel. These are his people and they're just keep drumming against them. Well, what's what's the um, typical thing? The thing that, that <clears throat> we want to do what we want to do and call that holy because we, we have a set of lists, and then we have other stuff we like to do that's just fun because you know we're, we're we're free in grace. But then we have this yes. Yeah, very good. And, I mean, that's, that's all about our heads. That's a good point to end on right there, but go ahead. Back um, at my point about our excess, and I bet some people thought, you know, we're just, I, mean, I know God said this, but we're just going to be good stewards, and you know, we're going to set aside a little bit just, mm-hmm. uh, just in case. And you, know, you put your hope in that, and that's, I mean, we do that. Jesus speaks to that, doesn't he, in a parable? Something about silos. This night, the Lord will require your life. Do you think it had a lot to do with, the, the, well, because it doesn't say, well, um, you know what, never mind, it does say, never mind. Well, I was going to say it doesn't say that he, that there would be, never mind. Never Turn mind. to John 6. <laughs> Bail out Stevens. Turn to John 6. Hey. I'm kidding. It's all good, man. Jesus walks on water, gets the other side of the, of the sea, Sea of Capernaum, and says on the next day, verse 22, on the next day the, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there. So they're clued in. Something's going on. And that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. Remember, he feeds the 5,000. He walks across the water the other side. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus, it says. And as we read the rest of this passage, you've got to wonder, really? Seeking him? 
Really? Looking for the man part of Jesus. Okay. When they found him on the other side, verse 25, on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not labor for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. What do they point to in verse 28? What, 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 is a, what do they say after he says this? For on him God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? What are they pointing to? Themselves. What, was, what, was, what must we do to be doing the works of God? Their cleverness, their cleverness, their, the busyness of church life versus the love of Christ, that busyness does not satisfy. Do we agree with that? The, um, okay. What, what, what does he answer? What does he say? 29, Jesus answered them, This is the work of God. That you believe in him whom he has sent. What's the difference? Does he answer their question? There's plural. What do we got to do? What are the things that we can do? Give me a list. I want to know. Jesus' response is, this is the work of God. Right? That what? That you believe what? In the manna? In the Nile, and him who he has sent. Okay. So they said to him, Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? See, they want their faith to be made sight, right? They want to... What sign do you do that we may see and believe in you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. See and believe. There's sight versus faith again. And again they ask, what is it? But not necessarily, what is it you've done, but what are you going to do? What is it? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. What is it that we may see and believe? What does Jesus say? Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is... Is that a definition? Does he answer what is it? For the bread of God is He who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. 
they said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. If you're not hungry after eating something, what are you? You're satisfied. Satiated. It's a, I'll, I'll post it later. <laughs> you're satisfied. Christ defines the bread of God because he is the bread of God. He's told, we're told who it is. Knowing him satisfies. Interesting thought I had uh, this morning in my pre-coffee stupor. Um, <laughs> their challenge of Jesus here Remember when they challenged Moses and Aaron? They said, what are, you, what are you griping at us for? You're griping against God. Ironically, the challenge to Jesus here, he's the prophet and God at the same time, which I just found ironic. Trusting and believing him daily satisfies. What he's saying to them is, I'm the sign. What sign will you do for us? I'm the sign. I'm the substance. I'm the sufficiency. I'm talking as if Jesus were talking. Work to trust him because it's a grace to trust him. It's the work of God to trust him. Any any comments on that? Okay. Yep. He likened himself to the bread. Mm-hmm. Moses, and they did wrong by trusting in that bread, yet we're supposed to trust in what God gave us, mm-hmm. his bread, just now, which is Jesus. Right. So, one, you, you're wrong for trusting in what God gives you, the other, you're right for trusting in what God gives you, because it is himself. And who God gives you? It's himself. It's himself, that's right. And the greatest gift God can give us is himself. Because there's nothing greater. And like you were saying that Jesus said that he was the substance. And I, I listened, I heard on the radio that like they were just reading scripture and that, uh, whatever that guy's name is. Um, but he was talking, it was in John, and it was just the part that I am him, you know? Mm-hmm. And imagine, like, if you were a religious person back then and you had the Old Testament and everything and you understood the signs and everything, and then somebody came and said, I'm all of that, of course you would kill him. Yeah. I mean, it's just like the most radical thing you can say. It's just amazing that God grants anyone the grace to believe. Well, what happens here in John 6? I mean, he goes so far as to say, how can you say, you know, they ask you, how do you say you know, we had to eat, your, eat you like bread? He says, and he pushes even further. He says, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you will not have you know, eternal life or, or the, the salvation. And that is freaky to them. They, they don't react kindly to that. In fact, it says a ton of them left. Not a church growth model at all here. A ton of them leave. Even the disciples, the, the inner guys, are, are wrestling with this. And Jesus turns to them, are you going to leave too? Yeah, this is it. This is, this is the whole thing. You trust me or you have no part of this. Kind of thinking the same thing along the lines as what Ty was saying is if I would I try to put myself in their position, you know, where they were both 
in Israel and listening to Jesus say this, I can't say that I believe. I mean, this seems outrageous. It seems, mm-hmm. and it's it's so easy to get caught up in the moment, to get caught up in. I need to I need to gather the manna. I need mm-hmm. to I need to do this, or thinking about the miracle itself, mm-hmm. as opposed to the big picture of what is really going on of a fight for control, a, you know, revealing of who God is, and same with with Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, him saying this, he is the bread from heaven. Mm-hmm. But if he's saying this. I'd be. I don't think I could digest it just sitting there listening to him. Mm-hmm. It's it's easy for me now, having been in church nearly my entire life, mm-hmm. and seeing the big picture to go. Oh yeah, well duh. Obviously, it's why would they Jesus leave? Jesus is the bread. He is right. the man. You know. Yeah. It's because exactly. But our but our tendency without that transforming work of God, is to, um, we feel the weight of sin, feel the weight of our deficits our debt to him because we're shooting below where he is reflecting his glory like we should so we do stuff we do stuff so that we have cover for what we want to do right I do all this blah 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 but I want to do this stuff and so I'm covered it outweighs there's this there's this uh, Gnostic Christianity known as Islam kind of thing going on um, where where we want to have a balance of things, and so we put we put the, the work over here, and we sin because we got grace, but we want to be legalistic over here. And he's saying none of that matters. It's trust me, who I am. Feast on me. Your whole existence is a hunger and thirst for righteousness. I'm righteousness. Come to me. And God's saying the same thing to Israel. Here, but it's through the picture of the manna that they have to trust him daily for it. But it's based on who he is, his character. Have I not shown you my faithfulness in the past? I'm going to show it to you every day. Trust me, who I am, and what and what uh, and, and what my my heart is toward you to to redeem you, to save you. Is not that yoke easy? That burden light? Well, our, our problem is is their problem is we, we focus on the Jesus spent most of his ministry saying, don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry the things of heaven. Mm-hmm. We're, we're temporal. We want to see, touch, feel, have our senses involved. And Jesus says, what you don't see is more real than what you do see. Yeah. And there's that vital in chapter 6. Well, are you the food or not? Yeah. Are you going to be our earthly king or not? Yeah. And he keeps trying to say, get off this earthly temporal level and he says it that in, in verse 27, like brought it up. Do not labor for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you, which Christ will give you. How do we handle temporal things in view of the eternal? You talk about hoarding and when enough is enough. How do we handle temporal things in view of the eternal? It covers everything we do. All of life is redeemed and called to be glorifying to God. It's not just, hey, I walked the aisle, I got dunked, and I got a card. It, it's all of life is, should be transformed by who He is. And, and if it's not, do we have it? You know, I'm not saying... We reach a state of perfection. I don't want everyone to commit that heresy. But what I'm saying is we should be on a trend line. 
seeing Christ transform areas of our lives. Yes. before we get to give us this day our daily bread are make your name holy hallowed be your name kingdom come your will be done so the first orientation of the heart before we break out into song the first orientation of the heart is Godward that he be glorified that he be magnified before I ever get to oh by the way I'm hungry it's who he is, making much of him. That's so not natural. And you see it again and again in Exodus. It's not natural. The first thing I want is my meat and my, my bread and my sweet water. So, okay. It is now 10.15. One more. Sorry. So, no, no, no apologize. Okay. okay. I, I just wanted to say I really enjoy this class and the way that you present this because... It seems like every week we always have the same lesson, and that is... It makes God it easy to same, prepare. God is the same in Old Testament and New Testament. He's yeah. preaching the same thing. He does not change. Yeah. What he's teaching in the Old Testament to the, to the Israelites is trust in him. Mm -hmm. And Jesus reiterates that even using the thing from the Old Testament. Right. And so it's, it's the same lesson. It's all the same God. It's for the same purpose of glorifying But it applies in different unique ways to all of us. Because what is the core issue in sin? What's the core issue? Idolatry. Unbelief. Idolatry. Setting something up above God. Unbelief. I don't trust who He is. He's not satisfying to me. Therefore, I have to go do X, Y, and Z all at once because I've got to be satisfied. That's a common... That's... Was it... What, how many verses? 1,300 and... Uh, what was it? Chapters? 1,300 and... Over 1,300 chapters in the Bible, screaming the same thing. You won't be satisfied anywhere else but me. And here's what it looks like in this life. And this is written for your example on whom the ends of ages come. Trust me, follow me, eat of me. I am satisfying. I am the righteousness from heaven for you. Don't try to... It's the same thing again and again. Now there are different layers of who God is and nature and those kinds of things, who we are. But the, the central core thing is you can't do it. I've done it for you. Christianity, all other human religions are human achievement religions. What, was, what must we be doing to do the work of God? Christianity at its core is, this is the work of God that you believe. Human achievement, divine accomplishment. Those are the two issues. And it's, it permeates everything. So I'm sorry if I'm repetitive. But, but uh, no, I'm kidding, I know you can say that. But that's, but that's the deal. That's where we are. That's where we live. That's how Monday morning hits. I've got to remember, he's the bread from heaven. I don't need to trust these things. I don't need to worry and fret over what the government might be doing, even though every third letter says, Obama, watch out for me. Uh, every, you know, <laughs> when you fret about the government, 
I don't need to fret about the tax bill that is yet to come April 15th. I don't need to worry about um, not being um, satisfied in my job, not being satisfied in school, but i got to trust Christ, not being satisfied relationally with things that I don't or do have. I need to trust Christ. He needs to be center. He needs to be where I eat. And that's why Thanksgiving is so important. Absolutely. Being thankful and being joyous for what he's given us. Absolutely. Okay. I'm thankful that you stayed here this long and that your butts are not quite numb. So let's pray. <laughs> Father, we are thankful. Help us in our unthankfulness. Give us grace to be satisfied in you. Don't let us stick our heads through the barbed wire fence looking for greener pastures, but know that in you are all the riches of knowledge and wisdom, and they don't end. To know you is eternal life, and so we pray that you make that real for us, that your Spirit draws us to the well of Christ again and again and again. Bless this group. Let them be satisfied in Jesus. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.